you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, fully vaccinated and ready to go back outside. Uh, got a great show for you today. We have uh, our old friend Michael F. Florio joining us because I want to have a conversation uh, about something that you know, started kind of as a Twitter conversation, but it's also a thing that, you know, if you listen to the show or you follow me, you know that I sort of rant about every summer. So it feels like this is about the time to kind of start this rant again. So we'll talk to Florio about that. Uh, we'll also get his thoughts uh, on just some general draft strategy. Look at some uh, running backs and wide receivers, uh, all that sort of stuff should be a good time. But before we get to Florio, I want to bring in, and I, I have been remiss in doing this. We have a new producer. Uh, our pal Steve is, he is still around. Uh, he has, uh, you know, he, he, he was tasked with other things before he joined us. He has gone back to those other things. He's definitely a numbers analytics guy. Uh, and so he's sort of spending more of his time on that. So in his place, uh, we have Justin Graver, who is now producing the NFL Fantasy Football Show. And Justin, uh, you've been here for a couple of weeks now. Uh, I appreciate you being on. Uh, welcome to the show officially, I guess for everybody out there, uh, tell the folks about yourself a little bit. Well, thanks Marcus. Yeah, I guess we had to make sure that I could do this for a couple weeks. You don't want to <laughs> introduce me and then have to unintroduce me or something. No, uh, I have a background covering the Tennessee Titans on Twitter mostly and for mm -hmm. some local Nashville blogs like Broadway Sports Media, but I have stepped away from that to produce for the NFL media department and I'm very excited about it. So... Thank you. Yeah, dude, we're glad to have you. I see you are sporting a Mavericks uh, basketball t-shirt today, so I'm assuming you are a Mavs fan since, uh, you know, Tennessee does not have, uh, they don't have a professional basketball team, so I'm guessing you're a Mavericks fan, huh? Yeah, not in Nashville, but there is the Memphis Grizzlies, but there's a oh, big sure. Nashville-Memphis right. rivalry thing, so... Yeah, we support the Mavs. <laughs> so you guys just just skip over Memphis. You're like, whatever, man. We're gonna go. We're going to Dallas. Uh, go check that out. So mm -hmm. I did. I forgot. I can't believe I forgot. You know why? You know why I forgot about the Grizzlies because they eliminated the Warriors. So I just I just erased it from totally from my mind. John Morant no longer exists because you sent Steph home uh, for the season. <laughs> so that's what that is. Uh, well, Justin, we're glad to have you. Uh, it's been it's been great the first couple of weeks having you around here. Hopefully, we have not scared you off. Uh, and, and look forward to just kind of working with you uh, over the next however long this is going to be. Yeah, looking forward to helping people win their fantasy leagues however we can. Awesome. Fantastic. Um, all right. So we will now bring in our old pal, Michael F. Flory. We're going to the bullpen and getting one of our most uh, reliable arms to come out and, and help us out. Florio, uh, good to see you as always. I have to start with a huge hearty congratulations uh, on the wedding. You and the missus looked great. Uh, so uh, congratulations, man. How are, how are you feeling now that you are a married man? Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for that. Uh, I, 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 to steal something from a good friend of yours, Matt Harmon, uh, I'm domesticated now, right? Like I know, <laughs> I know he always says that. So 
Yeah, it's uh, it's been a really, I mean, it's only been a couple of days, but it's been a lot of fun. Uh, you know, didn't really get to celebrate exactly with family and friends in person, but looking forward to doing that in the future and, you know, FaceTime and, and lots of people were sending us stuff. So it was just a great couple of days, the last few days. That's awesome. I know that has been in the works for a while. So uh, you finally got that done. So so big congratulations to you for that. Um, all right. Let's let's talk some fantasy football here because that's what we do. I, the reason I wanted to get you on is because we had a conversation and it wasn't just you and I. We had other people sort of chime in and jumping in. It, it started uh, about quarterbacks uh, and you sort of talking about quarterbacks you like, quarterbacks maybe you are avoiding um, and it, it, it spawned a much larger, bigger conversation, which I will sort of you know, tee up in a second. But I, I wanted to kind of start by asking you, though, when we're talking about quarterbacks, um, do you have a preferred quarterback drafting strategy and what, what would that be? Um, for last year and now for this year, it seems to be target the second tier of quarterbacks and like. I'm never going to have Patrick Mahomes because of it. And I love Patrick Mahomes. I, I I have his like Funko pop. I'm a big supporter of his, <laughs> but he goes so early that I'd rather get an elite tight end or one of these top running backs. And then the same thing, like I love Josh Allen. I'm a bills fan. I had more Josh Allen last year than any other player in fantasy uh, on my fantasy teams. But this year he's going so early that I don't anticipate really having much at all of him. I like to wait until the quarterbacks that go in like the sixth, seventh round sometimes like the Dak Prescott's the uh Justin Herbert's you could put Jalen Hurts in that category Russell Wilson uh last year was guys like Josh Allen and Kyler Murray who are now going rounds earlier um because I think all of those quarterbacks have the same maybe not the same ceiling as a Patrick Mahomes but they can be the QB1 I think if things break right like will it be any Will anyone be surprised if Dak Prescott is the QB one this year? I don't think so, but you could get him rounds later and at a price where you're not sacrificing a top player at another position to get your quarterback. I mean, I, I completely agree. And, you know, it was, uh, I think it was two summers ago. I had JJ Zacharyson uh, on this show, the guy who is, uh, I would say he's renowned for being the late round quarterback drafter. That is his Twitter handle late round QB, because, you know, that was, uh, certainly one of the things that he championed for a long time. But even as of a couple of summers ago, he was starting to change his tune uh, and think, you know, you can sort of reach a little bit earlier because you want those guys with rushing upside. And, you know, we, we talked at the time about guys like, you know, a Russell Wilson, a Lamar Jackson, a Deshaun Watson, those kind of guys who give you those extra points, those, those rich rebar, uh, you know, Konami codes, if you will. And so that has sort of changed. What hasn't changed, though, are the guys at the very top of of the quarterback draft draft uh, rankings. And so I'm just going to I'm going to read your your tweet that that kind of, you know, triggered me a little bit. Um, No disrespect to the goats, but for different reasons, I don't anticipate having much of Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers in fantasy this year. Mahomes is the QB one, but I'd rather grab an elite tight end wide receiver in round three and get like a Dak in round six. You went on to explain, you know, more about, you know, like why you wouldn't you know, draft Rodgers or Brady. Brady, I certainly understand. I mean, the guy is, uh, you know, he is 44 or will be 44 uh, coming up in, in just a couple of months. Um, <clears throat> so it, it definitely makes sense. At some point, father time even is going to catch up even to Tom Brady. Um, so that what I get, even the Aaron Rodgers, the touchdown regression, I, I understand. Um, but I also looked at it as, you listed three guys there who but between them have seven NFL MVPs, 
seven Super Bowl MVPs. I mean, we are literally talking about, as you said, the GOATs, right? Like the elite of the elite. And Patrick Mahomes isn't getting drafted, or, or I wouldn't say he's not getting drafted. People are avoiding drafting Patrick Mahomes. You get in a draft with, with the quote-unquote experts and the sharps, and it really is a game of chicken to see who's going to take the quarterback first and who's going to take Patrick Mahomes. Um, I think even one of the responses to your tweet was, I'm I'm not drafting Mahomes and I'm proud of it, which, I mean, I know it's it was an exaggeration. It's kind of a joke, but it it frustrates me that we are at a point where the guy that we consider to be the greatest quarterback in the league and knocking on the door of maybe being one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. We don't want to draft him because it seems like a disadvantage. I don't know. How do we get back to that? How do we get to a point where early round quarterbacks are a thing? I mean, can it ever be a thing or or is it just going to be something that we always sort of duck in and cover from these guys? Yeah, it's, there has to be a rule change. I, I think for it to become worthy of taking one of these elite quarterbacks early on because I, I mean Marcus you've been leading this like like this train for <laughs> years now of like we need to change quarterback scoring and I think the popular approach has been uh super flex but I know you always point out that that just creates scarcity it doesn't actually change mm-hmm. the value of the quarterbacks um and I mean like if we were to just do a fantasy draft right now like all 32 NFL teams have to throw their rosters back and we're blowing this up and starting a new <laughs> whoever got the number 1 pick would take Patrick Mahomes no questions asked. But I'm here in fantasy saying in the 3rd round I'd rather have Darren Waller than him. So <laughs> there's a big disconnect between reality and in fantasy. I think there needs to be some sort of scoring change. I know a popular approach in recent years has been increasing Uh, the penalty for interceptions because that is the worst possible thing a quarterback can do It's just turn the ball over so it shouldn't be in some leagues you know a third of of the value of a touchdown because it it's the it to me it's almost a a direct negative of a touchdown so there's gonna have to be rule changes I said it on Twitter it's probably gonna have to be someone smarter than me that thinks of it (laughs) oh one one idea I've been toying with lately is like, could we see PPR and maybe even points per completion change to the further a catches or the further a throw is that it's worth more points? Because I know the big knock on PPR is like a running back who can average negative yards per catch, like per air <laughs> yards per catch is going to still get the same point as if someone catches a 60 yard catch. So I, I think we do need to fine tool the scoring a little bit, but I think also if you told people like a, the, your casual fantasy football player, hey, this is more points because it's a more air yards on it. They're going to just look at you like what? <laughs> I mean, I think I think that's that is true, but I do think there's a way to do it. I know people said, you know, a points for completion league and I was with you that that sort of sets up the same uh, frustration potentially is a, a PPR thing, you know, with Daniel Jones throwing a bunch of dump offs to Saquon Barkley and racking up points. Um, you, you mentioned Ben Roethlisberger, just, you know, throwing little check downs <laughs> and getting a whole bunch of points like that would be super, super frustrating. I, I like the idea. And, you know, James Coe is the first one who brought it to my attention. I, I don't know if he's the first one to think of it, but the six, four scoring system, six points for a touchdown, minus four points for an interception. Um, by the way, it was, it was the Jameis Winston 30 interception season that really set me on the path of this whole thing. Uh, the fact that he could throw 
30 interceptions and still be a top five quarterback that year. I think he was a top three quarterback, actually, that year, if I remember you, right. You didn't mind the interceptions that year because as long as he was throwing it 50 yards, I mean, more often than not, he's going to get points out of it. So, Well, and on top of it, he would throw multiple interceptions in a game, which in fantasy would end up sort of benefiting him in a weird way because he put his team behind – then you'd have to throw the football more to like keep them in a game or try to bring them back. Um, and so it just it just seemed counterintuitive. I also think that, you know, in real football, if you throw three interceptions in a game, you have hurt your team significantly. It should do the same for your fantasy team, whereas it, it, it really doesn't. I, I also sort of believe in escalators. Um, you know, if you throw you know, the first two touchdowns are, are maybe six points. Uh, anything beyond that, you know, the third touchdown is seven points. The fourth touchdown is eight points. Um, just because I think being able to throw multiple touchdowns consistently is a repeatable skill. Um, you know, anybody can do it once or twice in the season. But I think if you are a Mahomes, uh, if you are, you know, somebody like that, if you are an Aaron Rodgers and you can consistently do that, that's a skill that should be rewarded. Similarly, if you're throwing multiple interceptions, um, you should have escalators. So that Nathan Peterman six interception in the first half game <laughs> would have been an outright disaster. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think that's it. I think we had some other really interesting suggestions and I, I, you know, I have to go scroll through. I know, uh, I think John Bosch, uh, who does a great job with his eliminators and that sort of thing, uh, really had some, some interesting ideas. I'm, I'm trying to stall for time as I scroll through and try to find these things. Um, I, I know some people were were knocking the escalator idea like, oh, you're already getting a lot of points or whatever. But like, yeah, you you should be rewarded with more points for doing something that doesn't happen that often. And like three, four touchdowns. I know they're more often than they were 10 years ago or such, but they're still like, you know, it's that's still a very big accomplishment for an NFL quarterback to do. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I, I the goal of it for me is to really separate the elite quarterbacks from everybody else. Like I really, I mean, what it boils down to to me is if we all think Patrick Mahomes is great, we should be having fist fights to try and draft him. It's the same thing at you know, nearly every other position, right? Especially uh, at the positions where you only start one guy. I mean, it is a big deal to get a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle or a Darren Waller, because if you don't, then you're really going to be scrambling. It should be the same thing for those top level quarterbacks. It really should be a big deal for you to go out and get a Patrick Mahomes, maybe a Dak Prescott. Um, it shouldn't just be, hey, I missed on Mahomes, whatever. I can wait a little bit later and I can get Justin Herbert and I'll be all right. Like, it just seems and wrong. One big thing, too, that I've been thinking about recently is like for the last couple of years, the quarterbacks that have separated themselves other than like Mahomes and, and these guys who have the outlier season where they throw 40 plus touchdowns have been the quarterbacks who can run like Lamar Jackson two years ago was I mean, he was going to shatter every record. But now it's more like Lamar Jackson is running for a thousand yards on a yearly basis. Kyler Murray, we we were joking all year last year, like he is their RB one there. Um, <laughs> Josh Allen leads the Bills in rushing touchdowns every year. Deshaun Watson can run. Dak can run a bit. Even players that like you, we view as more po traditional pocket passers, like Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence, like those guys can give you three hundred plus rushing yards in a season. So. Even like like Justin Fields, Trey Lance now, like it's becoming more Jalen Hurts. More and more quarterbacks can 
really, really run. And that just is going to dilute the product even more because then now we're going to have 12 guys who can give us over 500 rushing yards. What's the point of taking one early? Yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) It's probably going to go back to what it was. Uh, I will continue shouting into the void. Uh, it's it's what I do. Uh, that's fine. Um, I still think, but it, I still think I'm I'm still going to lead the charge to change quarterback scoring. I still think we should try and, and stratify the quarterbacks a little bit. But I think you're right. The more quarterbacks we get who can run, uh, there's going to be less interest in going out and getting one early. Because it's like you know what, there's still a whole bunch of them left. I can wait. I can get one. It'll be fine. My my thing in in fantasy and everything is like if something isn't working, why can't we toy around and try something new? If it doesn't work, we can always go back to how it was. That's true, and I feel like that's what we do a lot anyway. So why not this? Like why not play around with this and see if you we gotta can make sc- this work? talk to Scott Fish. He uh he's very experimental. That's true. Let's let you know. I had him on a couple weeks ago. That's true. Let's yeah. get back to Scott and let's let's see if he can if he can make something happen. He's uh he's definitely a thought leader. I think in this sort of thing. Um, before we get off this quarterback subject, uh, you, also in that that thread you're, after your comment about you know kind of avoiding. Mahomes, Brady, Rogers. Um, somebody asked you what you thought about Ryan Tannehill, and you mentioned that he's a guy you have as sort of you know the end of your QB one rankings, um, but he seems to slide out of that rankings in terms of where his draft position is. Uh, I was looking the other day and I saw him, you know, some places as quarterback like fourteen or fifteen, something like that. Which when you see the names ahead of him, you sort of get it, but when you also look at his production week to week. You kind of don't. Um, why don't we believe in Ryan Tannehill? It's been a year and a half now, almost two years. Why don't we believe in Ryan Tannehill? Since he has taken over as the Tennessee starter, Marcus, 26 games now, so well over a full season, he's averaging nearly 22 fantasy points per game. He's The last two seasons as a starter has been the QB 10 in points per game. And last year he was the QB 7 overall. Like, I, I get it. He doesn't have the upside to be the QB one, I don't think. And there's a lot of other quarterbacks that I think have a higher ceiling than he does. But to me, Ryan, Ta- like Matt Stafford is getting a, a bunch of love now being with the Rams. And I get it. I've always been uh, long been a Stafford fan. Um, so I'm happy and excited to see him with this Rams offense. But if I could wait a couple rounds to get Ryan Tannehill later, I'll do it. And I think Ryan Tannehill is the perfect quarterback to take and pair with one of these young upside rookies. Like you take Ryan Tannehill and Justin Fields or Ryan Tannehill and Trey Lance because those quarterbacks, they don't have a very safe floor at all, but they do have the upside. Like, like, I mean, who thought Justin Herbert was going to be as good as he was last year? So there's always upside in the unknown. And I think you could take a Ryan Tannehill, start him early on, get a fine quarterback. And even if you, you see him all year, you're probably going to get a low-end QB1, but then you take an upside shot and you pair him with it. And if that guy hits, you could trade Tannehill, you play the matchups, whatever the case may be. Um, I, I think he just gets overlooked because people still have a bad taste in their mouth from his Miami days and and Adam Gase. I do think that. I think that has a lot to do with it. It's just like we saw him for so long be just – mediocre at best that I think I, I think that sort of lingers in the brain and everybody feels like he's going to re- revert back to that um I guess my only concern with him would be what is he going to be like away from an Arthur Smith offense now that Arthur Smith is in Tennessee uh what is that going to look like who knows um but you know uh, at this point he's shown that he can play that he can be successful and maybe it was you know having that Adam Gase sort of anchor around his his leg that 
that held him down for a little bit. Uh, either way, I do think people who draft him are going to be happy with him. Also, I think you made a point, a good point. I don't think anybody who's drafting Ryan Tannehill is counting on him as their like bona fide set it and forget it starter every week. You're going to have another option. Um, and I think, I think that's, yeah, I think that puts you in a pretty good spot uh, if you're drafting Tannehill in any point this year. Switching over to running backs, uh, you know, obviously Mike Davis sort of broke fantasy Twitter a couple weeks ago when he posted that picture of him in his shorts with the the he was smuggling watermelons in his uh, in his quads there. Um, and I think for fantasy Twitter kind of got excited about it. And, you know, some people were saying, well, I'm going to move him up the rankings. And some people I could tell it was a joke. Some people I couldn't. Right. Like, but we're not we're not really changing our, our rankings of Mike Davis because of that picture, right? Like that's not really happening. Is it? I've been doing a bunch of best ball drafts and the day that picture came out a few hours later, he went ahead of Josh Jacobs. Like he went in the, (laughs) I was late third, early fourth round on that swing. And I tweeted, I was like, this picture is to blame. Cause if this picture didn't come out today, I don't think Mike Davis goes ahead of him. I think Mike Davis is a low-end RB2, you know, he should be going around the likes of like a Miles Gaskin. I think that that is a fair place for him because I'm not sold that he's going to be, you know, a 250-touch kind of running back. But what I do think is I think he's going to be very similar to what he was last year and just catch a ton of passes uh, in out of the backfield. I know Arthur Smith in Tennessee didn't throw a whole lot to his running backs, but he had Derrick Henry there, who is the best probably <laughs> between the tackle runner. Mike Davis isn't that. And I, I think the Falcons are going to be trailing a lot. And when you have maybe Julio Jones, it doesn't sound like anymore. But when you have Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts drawing defensive attention downfield, I think there's going to be a lot of dump off op- opportunities to Mike Davis. So I think he'll be volatile week to week. But for me, I have him as a low end RB2. I mean, I think that's that's about right. I, you know, it's funny, too, because you know, remember after Christian McCaffrey got hurt and Mike Davis came in and early on he had a couple of nice games. And, you know, there was like it was it was definitely, I think, hyperbole. People were like, hey, well, maybe they don't need Christian McCaffrey anymore. Like, I don't I don't think we really believed that, but it was kind of a fun talking point for a little bit. But he sort of faded as the season went on. He sort of ran out of steam. And for all the excitement we had and all the good feelings we had about Mike Davis, I went back and looked. And he had maybe five really usable weeks last year. Um, he had, I think, five double-digit weeks. Everything else was sort of anywhere between four and eight, maybe nine points, which, you know, doesn't really do a whole lot for you. Um, so, you know, understanding that this is – he's also not a young guy. Um, you know, this isn't like this isn't like a guy who's in his second or third year where you're like, hey, you know what, there's a chance for him to maybe make the leap. Uh, at this point in his career, we sort of know who Mike Davis is. Um, so I, I'm just, I'm sort of just assuming that this was just all a fun goof, uh, and everybody just had a, had a you know, good time about it, which by the way, speaking of which, uh, there was another, I don't know if you saw, there's another AJ Dillon in shorts, uh, photo that oh, went out man. earlier today. The Packers put out another one. So the quad squad, as I think he, I think it was Dylan that tweeted that quad squad, uh, last week or two weeks ago, uh, it is in full effect. So I don't know if we're going to get another round of AJ Dillon hype. Who knows? 
Um, Marcus, my my one question real quick on the Falcons is like, which veteran running back are they going to sign, right? Like, are they going to bring in Todd Gurley again? Is it going to be AP, Le'Veon Bell? Like, they they can't go in with just Mike Davis and Quadri Allison, can they? No. Although, you know. Hawkins, who everyone loves. People trying to make a case for JV and Hawkins right now. Um, No, they're signing somebody. And I I wouldn't be surprised if they, they reunite. With Todd Gurley, you know, for for one more year and see if they can make it work, you know, and and, and that which might honestly be terrible for us because you know then you're having Gurley in for like a down, you're having Davis in for a down or two, then they try to work in whether it's Allison or or Hawkins or somebody like that. Like I think that potentially is the worst case scenario because then you have so many guys fighting for a limited number of touches. So so maybe we maybe we don't want that. I don't know. Um, as always, this time of year, we start doing drafts. The topic of zero RB comes up. I think uh, I feel like litigating it is probably kind of a dead issue because it's just I think people are sort of kind of dug in. Um, I think it sort of depends on the year now. Um, and I think it depends on the format. Like I think in best ball, you can always make a case for zero RB uh, because you can just you can find guys who will have good weeks for you regardless of the situation. But in in redraft leagues, in your standard redraft leagues, could you make a case for doing it this year? Or is it still something that you're not maybe thinking about? I'm not thinking about it. I'm on the opposite side of the train, actually. I'm (laughs) going zero wide receiver if I'm going zero at any position. Because I I think zero RB works when – one, it depends on the year, like you said, Marcus. But like last year, I think it was a pretty terrible year for zero RB drafters. And I know people were like, oh, well, there was a lot of weeks where there was a replacement on the waiver wire. And I was like, great, unless you're burning through your fab right away or, you know, you're you're having a high waiver pick, which probably means you're not having a great record. <laughs> like I, I didn't see it as a great I, – I had a league last year, Marcus, where – I lost Saquon Barkley right away, and then Chris Carson missed missed a bunch of time. And I was going on the waiver wire, and this is just a 12-team league, and I was starting guys like uh, Wayne Gallman for a stretch. He was all right, but then like LaMichael Pirine some weeks, and I'm like Jordan Wilkins, and it it was gross. And (laughs) I I finished like 500 in that league, and I just had so much better success in the leagues where I dressed running backs. And, of course, they have to stay healthy, but I dressed it early and – to me, that is going to be my approach again, especially because like we're routinely now seeing first rounds where nine, 10, sometimes 11 of the picks are running backs. And then the second round is completely littered with running backs as well. So if you're waiting there, I mean, especially if you're like towards the end of the first round where maybe you get two elite receivers, your RB1 is going to be someone like like maybe like Kareem Hunt or Miles Gaskin. And, and to me, I do not feel comfortable with that at all. And I think that's I think that's sort of the 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 thing with zero RB. It's just your level of comfort with the guys you're going to end up with. And I think uh, you know the folks who do it. Um, I I honestly respect and admire it because I don't know that I have the the fortitude to go and do it because I look at the running backs that are left and I'm like I don't love this and like I just don't feel great about it. But um, you know I know that there are people that are still diehard with it who still live by it. Um, I, you know, I, I am certainly past the point. I do remember, you know, when it first sort of hit and it became a thing, I looked at it like a lot of people like, this is crazy. Why would you do this? Um, having dug into it and read about it, I understand it. I can appreciate it. I just don't have the stones to do it. Um, <laughs> and I just, and I, I'm with you though. I, I feel like I have to get at least one solid running back, uh, in the first two rounds, uh, before I, I can feel comfortable 
Um, but you know, Hey, I, I'm, I'm not going to knock anybody who tries it because I think it takes a level of what it takes a, a level of study. You really have to kind of know who your guys are that you're targeting, but it also takes just sort of that commitment to it. It's one thing to say you're going to do it. It's another thing to be on the clock and that clock is running down, uh, and to not pull the trigger on one of those top running backs early, uh, to believe it. Yeah. I, I look at it as like the running backs, like, 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 Gaskin, maybe even like Miles Sanders falls to you late third, who I'm not a big fan of. Josh Jacobs, like I'd much rather have like Terry McLaurin and CeeDee Lamb in rounds three, four than than those running backs and have like Stephon Diggs and someone in the first two rounds or something like that. Like receiver is just so much deeper and it's so much more upside once you get past the top 15 or 20 at the position. Yeah, I feel like I, I tend to go running backs early, you know, maybe a tight end if, if, it, if it's in the right spot, a bunch of wide receivers in the middle, and then I can get back to some running backs uh, sort of in the, the later rounds there. That's just me. Um, you talked about picking kind of in that late part of the first round. Um, and so I'm thinking if you were somewhere, let's say between 8 and 11, right? The 12, you have the turn. I feel like you can sort of do some things there when you're on the turn. But that 8 to 11 were uh, they know that first round, it, it, you have some really hard choices to make. If you find yourself in one of those slots, who are the guys – you're looking at is it a running back is it is maybe it's a wide receiver but who are you looking at there it's almost exclusively a running back for me I will say I did a best ball I'm in a slow best ball draft and I had the sixth pick and there I took Travis Kelsey um but you know he usually goes around the middle of the first round I'm looking Austin Eckler in that range Mm -hmm. I mean I'm I'm super high on Austin Eckler. I put out yesterday on Twitter a big, long thread about him. Uh, You could go and read why I love Austin Eckler so much this year. But, Marcus, I have so many drafts that I have started back end of the first with some combination of Austin Eckler and Cam Akers. Like, those are my guys this year. Um, So if I could get one of them, I'm completely comfortable doing so. Uh, Some other names there would be like Aaron Jones, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, I will say this, too. As much as everyone loves Nick Chubb, I'm not really looking to take him that early because he doesn't catch a whole lot of passes. So in PPR, I think the the eight ball, he's just behind the eight ball there because it's so hard. Uh, it's why I don't love like J.K. Dobbins as much as others because if you're not catching passes, you have to just run for so many yards. And specifically, you need at least double-digit touchdowns, probably in the teens of touchdowns, to really finish as a high-end RB1. Uh, so those are like Eckler – Akers, Jones, Elliott, those would be the names I'm looking to target in that range. The Eckler one is the one that, that really popped to mind for me because it's funny. Um, sometimes I know that we all sort of get accused of groupthink in this industry. And I, I'm i not going to call the Eckler love groupthink because I think we all look at it and we see a genuine opportunity for him to be uh, successful and really productive now in, in this new offense there in, in Los Angeles. But man, the Eckler love, I feel like has been yes. off the charts for the last couple of weeks. Um, I, I don't think I can log into Twitter without seeing somebody <laughs> or other talk about how they think Austin Eckler is going to be great this year. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, what normally happens when, you know, when we all love somebody, what normally happens is that it goes sideways. So I'm sort of hoping that we don't jinx this because I do think we all love Austin Eckler, which is, the other part of it that's weird, though, is that we all love him, yet he's still going late first round. So it hasn't really, I think, amounted to a huge boost in his ADP, which is weird to me. I have him as, in PPR, I have him as my RB5. Um, and, like, someone asked me, when would you, the earliest you would take him? And I said middle of the first round. But luckily, I don't have to. Like, <laughs> sometimes you even get him in the second round. But I think he's going to be one of those players that just gets pulled up and up and up draft boards. And it's funny because this year, everyone loves Austin Eckler. 
last year, there was some love for him, but there was a lot of people that were anti-Eckler and team Josh Kelly mm-hmm. and how quickly that has changed. I mean, it was funny because, you know, that was Josh Kelly is coming to, to, to eat his lunch. It was like, you know, and I, I think I said after, because that first week, Josh Kelly had a really big first game. And I think I said afterwards that like, hey, look, maybe maybe it wasn't everybody just moving up a rung on the ladder. Maybe it wasn't Austin Eckler graduating to the Melvin Gordon role and Kelly taking the, the Eckler role. I was like, maybe they brought in Josh Kelly to be the new Melvin Gordon. Um, obviously, that was not the case because the rest of the season was not great. And Kelly became an afterthought by the end of the year. But early on, uh, it did look like he was going to kind of take over that whole thing. Um after about the first 12 running backs, there's a whole group of guys in there that are just sort of like, I mean, I think this is when you're talking about that third, fourth round where maybe we're all pivoting to wide receivers at this point, because a lot of the running backs don't necessarily excite you, at least not at that draft spot. So I picked out three of them, DeAndre Swift, Josh Jacobs, Clyde Edwards, Elaire. If you're staring at all three of those, which one would you rather have? Uh, Josh Jacobs is the clear third for me. Like I don't anticipate really having much of him because Again, pass catching is huge, especially in PPR leagues, which is, you know, NFL.com leagues are PPR leagues. Um, so and now he has Kenyon Drake there, too, who's going to take some touches away, in my opinion. I go back and forth like I have after my top 12, Marcus, I have a group of five running backs that if you ask me on any day, they might be in a different order because I just I can't like I have DeAndre Swift right now. This is the order I have him in Swift, Gibson, Harris, Carson, CEH. To me, those five are, after the top 12, I think those are the next five running backs that should be taken. And and I, I don't, if you want to put them in any order, I won't, again, I'm, I'm mixing them up myself. Uh, so I don't, I really won't knock anyone for having them in any order. Right now I would go Swift, but I'm starting to think that CEH is getting overlooked because we put such lofty expectations on him last year and he failed to deliver. But everything that we loved about him last year is the same this year. Like he has Patrick Mahomes and and a better Chiefs O-line this year than last year, you can make the case. He still has, you know, Kelsey and Hill there that are going to take all the defensive attention away from him. There's there's no Damian Williams now. He doesn't really have a a direct competition for all that work. So I'm starting to to think CEH is being overlooked. I love DeAndre Swift's talent. I think he's a great pass catcher. I think that he is their best running back between the tackles. But – and I'm not worried about the offense around him because I think he can overcome that. My biggest fear is Jamal Williams. Jamal mm-hmm. Williams for years would limit Aaron Jones' upside. And Aaron Jones would have high TD numbers that would make up for the fact that he was taken off the field 40% of the time. Is DeAndre Swift going to be able to get, you know, the 12, 10, 12, 14 touchdowns like Aaron Jones has gotten with Green Bay? On the on Detroit, I'm not so sure he can. So that to me is the bigger concern rather than Jared Goff and the offense around him. I mean, I think I think the touchdown upside is capped just by virtue of being in that Detroit offense. I mean, versus you know, if you're making that Aaron Jones comparison, the Packer offense is set up to score a whole lot more than the Lions were are. are. So that I think puts a cap on DeAndre Swift. And I just think the Jamal Williams factor is real, whether or not, you know, however you're defining, you know, him being the A back that Anthony Lynn, you know, made the comment about um, you know, whether you think that means he is the starter and the lead back, or if it just means that they're going to use him in a certain way, whatever it means, um, he is going to get the ball a lot. And it's I think what's interesting is that we we talk a lot about how 
the Eagles don't seem to love Miles Sanders as a workhorse. I, I'm getting the same vibe from Detroit when it comes to DeAndre Swift, that they don't feel kind of that way about him either, that they're willing to bring in more guys to kind of put around him uh, and give the ball to. So maybe, you know, some of our love that we had for DeAndre Swift, maybe we should back off of that a little bit. Um, and I do think that CEH may be getting overlooked because, as you mentioned, there's really nobody else there that I'm super concerned about. I mean, I guess Jarek McKinnon, uh, you know, he has obviously struggled to stay healthy throughout his career, um, but he seems like the only real threat at the moment to maybe get any work there consistently behind Edwards Alaire. So maybe we are we're overlooking him a little bit. I and know. I think I think he was brought in to be because I, I know a lot of the times fantasy players like to look at the depth chart and be like, well, Daryl Williams is next in line. I think the Chiefs realize if CH goes down, we don't have another like Daryl Williams isn't like CH in the passing game, whereas McKinnon is a good pass catching back. So I think he like kind of like Justin Jefferson in uh, uh Justin Jackson in in the with the Chargers like if Eckler goes down he's not going to suddenly get you know 20 touches a game but he's going to get a lot of the pass catching opportunities I think. You know the Chiefs could also be one of those teams in line to sign one of those veteran free agent Le'Veon Bell. You know, bring up although Lev said I mean I Lev said he went to, to Kansas City because like he felt like they weren't going to use him a lot like he just wanted to kind of chill. Uh, I, and I guess eat barbecue or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, week one, Julio Jones is catching passes from who? Oof. Um, my answer is hopefully not Justin Herbert. Um, <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's, it won't be Dallas. I'll tell you that much. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I really, I've been struggling with this. I've been going back and forth. Like, like Justin said, Tannehill, the Titans would be a really good spot for him for real life purposes, for fantasy purposes, but it would hurt AJ Brown for sure. I just don't want it to be the Chargers because then it hurts Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, who I've been drafting a bunch of in best ball. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I know that signs seem to be pointing toward the Titans, which could be interesting. I think it does, I think it does a ton for Tannehill. We talked about him and and you know the kind of the feeling people have about him the stigma i guess against him if he gets julio jones uh, i think that erases a lot of that and i think you see Tannehill's adp go up uh it does definitely take a, a lot away from aj brown potentially but it does a lot for that titans offense uh, i have seen that he also has interest in the patriots um which could be interesting uh if we get a sense of you know who their quarterback's going to be um i saw some some talk this morning that uh, the, the Patriots could go with kind of a two quarterback system, similar to what we saw with Drew Brees and, and Taysom Hill last year, that it, it could be uh, could be Mac Jones sort of between the 20s and Cam when they get kind of in the red zone down near the goal line. Um, Cam is Cam is going to be Jacoby Brissett, I think. Even if, uh, if he's not the starter, like they'll just bring him in and be like, run it in and that's how they get near the goal line. Which does no good for anybody, at least not for us. Nope. Because um, you can't – that means neither quarterback is really usable. Um, and on top of it, it's going to kill, you know, any of their running backs down near the goal line. Yeah, that that's worst case. That That's that's sort of doomsday scenario if that were really to happen in, uh, in New I, England. I saw a great tweet. I forget who, who put it out, but it was just like, Julio Jones open in the end zone. Oh, uh, nope, there goes Cam Newton running in. <laughs> By the way, Julio Jones is still good at football, right? Because I feel like yes. I feel like there have been a lot of discussions on Julio Jones and his ability, and like this, there's just this undercurrent of trying to suggest that he's still not that he's not good at football anymore. And I don't, I, I don't, I don't think 
he's the Julio from like 2016 when, right. you know, the Falcons, but I still think like he's a very, very good wide receiver. You would be very lucky to have him on any NFL roster. Yeah. Uh, Justin makes a good point. This is from Evan Silva. Julio Jones, 32 years old, missed seven games last year, but he stayed efficient. 2020, number four among wide receivers in yards per route run, career high catch rate, career high yards per target. Last 16 games, 100 catches, 1,453 yards. That was per Evan Silva, the great Evan Silva. So Julio Jones is still very, very good at football. He's um, He's letting it be known too. He was like Matt Ryan lost a little bit of zip on his long ball, so like it's not me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he was also frustrated. He's like, look, I'm just telling people how it is. So, uh, if Aaron Rodgers leaves, how much of a hit does Devontae Adams take? A pretty big one. Um, we know with Aaron Rodgers that he is going to absolutely pepper Devontae Adams with targets. But the bigger thing is I don't think people realize how many like one yard touchdowns Aaron Rodgers throws. Like last year, he had nine <laughs> touchdowns. I believe it was that were two yards or less. And they're all going to Devontae Adams. Like that is how Aaron Rodgers padded his touchdown numbers last year. Like Aaron Rodgers was awesome. But in most offenses, you get the ball in the one or the two first and goal. You're probably going to give it off to Aaron Jones. But there they were like, nope, we're going to just throw it to Devontae Adams and keep us racking up these touchdowns. So I think that would change a lot if because you have to trust your quarterback to not turn the ball over. And are they going to trust Blake Bortles or, or Jordan Love to not turn the ball over in those situations? I do not think so. So I think he's going to take a pretty big hit. Like for me, he would definitely move behind Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown and D-Hop, which – Right now, with Devontae Adams, is my like elite wide receiver one tier. Uh, I think Calvin Ridley enters that if Julio Jones gets traded. Then it's like, do you want to put him in the same tier as Keenan Allen, Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf? I think that is the grouping that a Devontae Adams without Aaron Rodgers would belong in. Maybe you, you put him behind him, but I'm not thinking anything more than a mid to low end wide receiver one. Anything other than that would seem kind of reactionary to me. Does he stay in your top 10? Yeah, yeah, because I have right now my wide receiver 10 is Terry McLaurin. And as much as I love Terry McLaurin, I, I would be hard-pressed to take Devon, uh, to take him over Devontae Adams. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I just think the talent is too great. Um, this is a far cry from the rookie Devontae Adams who dropped passes and everybody was like, this guy's going to be a bust. And now we're talking about him as arguably the best receiver in the National Football League. So uh, maybe be patient with guys. I think that's the moral uh, of the story right there. A couple of guys who were disappointing as rookies that were hoping for better things for in 2021. Henry Ruggs or Jalen Rager, which guy is most likely to, to rebound in, in this season? I'll go with Henry Ruggs. Um, they're kind of similar style players to me where they're both – they excel as downfield threats. But you look at – Oak. Uh, I almost said Oakland. At Vegas, <laughs> and Waller is their clear-cut number one target. But after that, everything's up for grabs, right? Like John Brown – we both like John Brown, Marcus, but mm. – if Henry Ruggs is what Henry Ruggs was drafted to be, he's going to beat out John Brown, I think. Um, Jalen Rager, on the other hand, one, I, I don't – he is unproven quarterback in Jalen Hurts. Like, Derek Carr isn't great, but we at least know that Derek Carr can make fantasy-relevant wide receivers. Jalen Hurts, the jury is still out. Plus, I think Rager, at best, is the third target in this offense behind Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith. Like, I think they drafted Smith, and he – I think he is the best case – of seeing like a 20% target share of the rookies this year. I love Jamar Chase, but he has a lot of competition there as well. Whereas I think Devontae Smith is going to come in and show everyone like, yeah, I'm better than Jalen Rager. I'm better than Greg Ward and all these other guys you have here. 
I think I think Smith walks into Philly and immediately is the wide receiver one. I feel like that's not I mean, unless unless Jalen Rager does some spectacular things this offseason in terms of progression. I think Devontae Smith is the number one. I think the number one wide receiver job in Vegas is still sort of up for debate now that Nelson Aguilar is not there. I mean, Darren Waller is the number one target, but in terms of the number one wide receiver, I think there's still some some question there. And and Hayden Winks uh, over at Underdog Fantasy kind of wrote an interesting defense of Henry of uh, Henry Ruggs. Uh, that's that's out this morning. You can go check that out. But it's sort of saying that maybe some of it, some of it was Ruggs. Certainly, some of it was just the way the Raiders used him. Uh, and maybe if those things can sort of get back together, uh, that maybe there's a, a path for Ruggs to be a little bit more productive. Nonetheless. Um, his ADP is still going to be good. So I think he's, he is, he's coming off the board in a spot where you're not risking a lot of capital in your draft to get him uh, in the hopes that maybe he really does blossom into something um, in, in his second year in the league. Uh, all right. Uh, before I let you go, I got a couple of rapid fire questions for you. Um, let's start with more likely to make their respective roster as a tight end, Kelvin Benjamin or Tim Tebow. It's gotta be Kelvin Benjamin, right? Like, <laughs> Receiver to tight end is a – and he was a Popeye's biscuit away from being a tight end the last time we saw him. That's such an easy adjustment from failed quarterback, failed minor leaguer, tight end. Yeah, I mean that that that, that whole like stint of being a, a mediocre outfielder or whatever it was for a few years, I feel like that that changes the game quite a bit. Um, so I'm with you. I think Kelvin Benjamin, if either of these guys is to make their respective rosters – uh, I feel like Benjamin has a better shot. Although, you know, I don't think the Benjamin-Gettleman uh, bond is as strong as the Tebow-Urban Meyer bond. So I don't know if that if that plays a part in here at all. I, I, this is off topic, but I have no doubts that there was – it was like 2017 or 18. Tebow was hitting like 200 in the minors. The Mets were well out of it come September. He got hurt. I have no doubt that if he was healthy, they would have called him up just to of sell course. tickets. Sell tickets. Why not, man? I mean, look, if, if it could work with the with the White Sox and Michael Jordan, it could work with the Mets <laughs> and Tim Tebow. I totally believe that. Uh, better J. Cole album, KOD or The Offseason? Uh, I loved KOD. It was one of my favorite albums, but I'm going to go with The Offseason. Since, since it's come out a little over a week ago, it's really all I've listened to. I love the fact that the day it dropped, I mean, within an hour, there were takes galore on Twitter about it. I'm like, I mean, I get it. It's, it, I think the album's like 40 minutes, right? So you can easily listen to it within the space of an hour and form an opinion. But man, I mean, it had barely been out and people just had takes. Um, it's hot. Not gonna lie. I, I can, I cannot do that. Like if I listen to an album once, I'm like, what was it about? Like I have to listen. To, I'm the type of person I that multiple. I have to listen to it repeatedly before I can formulate opinions. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Like I need to listen to it a few times through um, and just kind of take it in like in layers sort of before I can form an opinion. But you know, plenty of people had, had thoughts. Uh, literally what are, what are your thoughts? Uh, no, I think it's hot. And like, I don't, like, I, I don't, I don't profess to know all of, of J. Cole's catalog, but I was a fan. Um, and I've sort of uh, been – I haven't listened to it straight, like, you know, just on repeat, on loop. So I'll listen to it. I'll go away. I'll do something else. And then I'll come back and I'll listen to it again. Um, but I think the fact that I keep coming back to listen to it again speaks a lot to how I feel about it. If I didn't love it, I probably would have just listened to it and, you know, been on my way. <laughs> been on my way to do something <laughs> else. Uh, so I, that is my official take. Uh, on that album um last one what would you rather have the Mets win the World Series or the Knicks win the NBA Finals look I'm loving this Knicks season but I'm wearing the Mets jersey because I saw this question the the Mets are 
the team that are most near and dear to my heart. I grew up one highway exit away from Shea Stadium. It was the first sporting event I've ever been to. Uh, I've been to a good amount of Nick games, but like not even anywhere close to the amount of Met games I used to be. I used to get in for free with a Coke can, Marcus. Like I would go all the time. It would be the Mets winning the World Series. That 2015 playoff run is still my favorite time in my life as a sportsman. Yeah, uh, I know that uh, it's been a while. It's been a while for both. What, the Mets, what, 86? And uh, the Knicks. Um, 73. Not, like not in my lifetime. <laughs> it's not been in my lifetime since the Knicks won a championship. So it has been a while uh, for for those two New York franchises since they have won championships. But, uh, look, I know look, there's excitement, man. There's, there's playoff basketball in the garden, and I know New York is is going nuts over it, even if Trey Young, even if Trey Young you know, he punched you guys in the gut. <laughs> <laughs> he's so good. He's, he is. He's a better haircut, but he's pretty good. Um, <laughs> uh, Florio, as always, I appreciate you coming on. It's always good to talk to you. Uh, you know, there's still a – Decent amount of the offseason, so we will talk to you again. But uh, looking forward to getting you back on here on a, on a more regular basis, dude. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. Cool. Absolutely appreciate it. All right. For us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, if love was really blind, lingerie wouldn't be nearly as popular. Be safe. Take care of yourselves. Get vaccinated. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.